Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 243. My name is John. With me today is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Good morning. Hello. Yeah, we're recording on a Saturday today, so uh, just nice and leisurely, you know, took our time, uh, watched uh, this newest episode of uh, The Mandalorian a couple times here, you know, since Wednesday, and just gave it until the weekend, Ryan, to uh, to record an episode here. So um, that being said, we've got some other Saturday plans today, I think, so we're going to try to uh, make it a... Um, relatively economical episode and and just dig right into mandasaur mandasaur mandalorian yeah i guess i'm <laughs> just like thinking about this in this episode i'm just thinking about the final moments of this episode we're going to dig into mandalorian chapter 18 mm-hmm. and uh spend the entire episode discussing that so um let's just dig right into it ryan uh, I know you had told me um, earlier in the week that you enjoyed this episode more than the previous one and um, felt like it was an improvement from Chapter 17, The Apostate. So uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a massive glow up um, from the the season premiere, which um, the season premiere was a lot of exposition and plot and... Um, a lot of retelling us things that we already knew um and you know just not and it's not like i don't want to say like nothing happened in that episode because like that's not you know what it's about um but i think it was just a really disjointed awkward episode um that didn't you know, it just wasn't very um, immersive um, as as a piece of TV. Um, whereas this episode, um, I do have a few issues with it. Um, but overall, I feel like the main, um, you know, the, the main chunk of the episode, um, you know, the last um, three quarters, I would say, um, is really strong um there's some legitimate tension there's uh great character moments there's surprises there's um you know just a lot of a lot of good stuff in there and it felt like a you know a more realized um episode of of television um and uh it also like looked really good um, again, um, I think this is another one where the, you know, the the direction and the cinematography was just really, really strong. Um, there's some gorgeous shots in this episode um, and uh, n- not too much weird looking stuff. So, yeah, overall, I think it was a really solid episode, kind of like I think what, you know, the bar that we would kind of expect for, you know, the, what I guess some people would consider the premier star Wars show, at least in terms of viewership and budget. Yeah. I don't know about budget. Um, cause I think Andor like seems like it was a pretty high budget show too, you know, uh, Andor, yeah. they went out and shot on, on location a lot and, uh, built like 
uh, you heard a lot about how they just like basically built Ferrix, like that place just existed and you could hang out in it and uh, walk yeah. around and stuff. So I think that one might've had a pretty big budget too, which is, it, it is interesting though, because like, uh, certainly the Mandalorian is the premier show in terms of uh, mindshare and viewership and all that kind of stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's the one that, that Disney would, uh, and, yeah, well, that Disney would 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 prioritize over everything else, but for whatever reason, I think just you know the uh, the creative team with Andor and I don't whatever it is with Andor, it, it just seems like uh, it was uh, it was pretty high budget. Maybe because they know it's a shorter thing, you know, it's going to be fewer seasons and, and fewer mm-hmm. episodes overall, and they were willing to go all in. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, a good the good news is that they're already like you know a good chunk of the way through shooting season two because. Um, uh, our, our guy, Bob Iger is, uh, back in charge and seems like he's mm-hmm. looking to uh, reduce spending on Disney plus content. So <laughs> it would have been a bummer if, uh, Bob Iger came back and was like, okay, Andor season one was incredible, but, uh, let's, uh, let's cheapen it up a little bit for season two, uh-huh. you know, like that would have hurt. So of course, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, they're, they're not at all done shooting season two and I, I suppose budgets could still be affected, but, uh, hopefully, um, Hopefully they'll they'll see that one through uh, with the current plan and and not alter that. So I I Um, expect more from the good Bob. I don't I don't think I I would hope he would not uh, make a make a sad choice like that. Well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Um, We're not going to get into it today, but maybe it'll come up in a future episode. But um, Bob Iger made some recent comments about uh, quality over quantity, but also looking at how to uh, reduce spending. So, and, and maybe, yeah, I guess part of it is just don't make as many shows and uh, prioritize the qu- prioritize the quality. But there was some comment he made that was just like, oh, spending's out of control on these shows or something like that. So anyway, um, but that is, that is the thing about Mandalorian though. You know, it looks great. Like most of the time it looks great. And I, I do think they're, they're bringing it in for um, at least at a, at a reasonable budget because it's so um, volume heavy you know but anyway i don't know what pedro's getting paid what i was gonna say there i think there's a lot of other factors though because it also is like the most marketed anything ever like every third ad i get on twitter is like a mandalorian something um and it's you know it's it's everywhere um so i think yeah Whatever they're not spending on building sets, they are spending on marketing. It could be. That could be. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I agree with your your sentiments about the episode overall before we start, you know, looking at it kind of um, section by section. I, I thought it, it looked fantastic. Uh, well directed by newcomer to Star Wars. Uh, the director's name is Rachel Morrison. And, um, I think we decided, right, that this is the first star Wars project that she's worked on, uh, as far as we know. Um, of course it was written by John Favreau as always, but, um, and the title of this episode is the minds of Mandalore, which, uh, we'll get into that of course. But, uh, I, that was one thing that I liked about this episode. I wouldn't say that like I needed this or that it was something I would have been disappointed if they didn't do, but you know, with the the trailers and teasers and all that kind of stuff. And just the overall kind of, uh, narrative direction of this season. It seemed like this is about Din's quest to go to the minds of Mandalore and redeem himself. Right. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was 
chapter, well, I don't know, the, the seventh episode of the season or the eighth episode of the season when he got to the Mines of Mandalore, you know? So I think it's uh, kind of cool that right away he's already there, you know, in the second mm-hmm. episode. And uh, if, you know, uh, many people, including yourself and, and, and myself to a degree as well, thought the first episode was a little bit of a slow start. Like, I think they kind of made up for it uh, with the fact that, like, we're already there in the minds of Mandalore mm-hmm. by the second episode. And I think that's exciting because it means um, we don't know that much about, you know, where the season is headed. Right. Because mm-hmm. so much of what it felt like it was going to be about or, you know, that they've been willing to talk about so far, they're already tackling this early in, in the season. So, um you know, like we talked about last yeah. time, I think obviously Mandalorian culture, bringing in more Mandalorians, all like, I think we're still going to be with Mandalore, right? Like going forward mm-hmm. in this season and there's going to be still a lot of that, but it's not just going to be about, um, Din, like maybe he's got to go talk to this guy on some other planet. Who's going to have the key, right. That we can use to <laughs> unlock the gate uh-huh. to the mind of Mandalore. But when you do that, then you have to go find some special helmet so you can breathe the atmosphere. You go somewhere, you know what I mean? It's uh-huh. not that kind of thing. Cause he already got yes. there by the second episode so grateful like honestly um because like that was not i like it it just it it's not the most compelling plot point like i think um i feel like you know it's it's something that's like important for his story but it's not something that like you know i was ready to like watch like eight episodes and be and then like finally like in you know the eighth episode be like yes he made it like mm-hmm. his rules like it was so worth it like yeah i mean i'm glad they kind of like it's it's kind of like a goofy plot point too in a lot of ways and um i don't know it's not like the most um compelling thing the show has uh put forth um but I think what's interesting about this is, um, as far as I can tell, we have, like, this episode showed us a, a lot of things from the trailers we've mm-hmm. seen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the trailers had been kind of setting up um, Bo-Katan as, like, a potential adversary and like maybe she's the big bad of this season um and that was kind of the vibe um that at least i got from the trailers and then like yeah she does and says all those things that she does in the trailer and then like but like the way the episode ends it's like yeah, there may be like some some tension. Like, yeah, she like picks up and uses the dark saber, and maybe that like becomes a thing. Um, but like, it, that doesn't feel like where the story's going. Um, personally, yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's one thing. Well, a couple things on that. That's one thing I was thinking as I was watching this episode. Is like more and more stuff was coming up where I was like, oh, this is from one of the trailers, you know, or like, this is, uh, this is another thing that's from one of the trailers. And I guess like when I see that happening, I get excited because I realize like, okay, they put the trailers together <laughs> with just stuff from the first couple episodes, which means like, there's a lot that we haven't seen and, and haven't been really have, don't have a hint of or anything. So that's exciting. 
Um, and yeah, totally like the, oh, you thought your dad was the only Mandalorian. Like I thought that line was really kind of like insidious or, um, yeah. you know, from the trailer, but in the, in, in the actual context of the show, it was like, it wasn't, you know, it was totally no. cool. Like she was just, she was like, oh yeah, like there's more of us, dude. Like, here we go. Um, yep. and she even was like in that same scene, I think she was saying to Grogu, like, uh, the Jedi and the Mandalorians, we, we got along pretty well, actually. We, we made a good team for a while there, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, really was, it was almost the opposite of the way it played in the, in the trailer because she was mending fences and sort of building a little bit of trust with Grogu. And, um, I mean, the only, the whole reason she's there is to save Din. Like Grogu shows mm-hmm. up at her castle and she's like, all right, let's go right away. Let's go save him, you know? So, yeah. There, there's not a lot in this episode that would support the idea that she is going to end up being an antagonist to Din. I'm not saying she won't, but like yeah. the trailers kind of framed it that way, or at least I felt like they were uh, suggesting that. And then the actual episode here that a lot of that content came from, it doesn't play that way in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it still could be a swerve like, right. Like, Oh, she's going to do something to get the dark saber. But I don't know. That feels like it feels at this point, like it, that would come across as like cheap. I, I yeah. hope that's not where it's going. I mean, it's always a possibility, but like, I don't know. I, I don't think it would, you know, it would work for shock value, but I don't think it like really works with her character arc, but, We'll see. Well, we'll see because I think what's going to be um, interesting and uh, something that this episode does suggest or or kind of like bring up the concept or the idea or whatever is how are these different kind of factions of Mandalorian culture going mm-hmm. to work together? Or are they going to work yep. together? How's that going to happen? And I, it just, you know still totally remains to be seen how that's all going to go down, you know, and where Bo-Katan will fit into that, where Din Djarin will fit into that, where the armor will fit into that and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right now like she's going to be a problem for Din or an enemy to Din, but I do think it could happen without it feeling like just a cheap 180 because there's all this Mandalorian culture that is complicated and, you know, people find themselves on different sides of it, I guess, and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's just like they throughout this episode, they're talking about like, man, like we we got played by the emperor, like our culture fell apart. Now we're, mm. you know, f- fighting amongst each other like idiots, like and then like for her to be like, ha ha ha. Now I'm most powerful, like just seems like that would be like completely at odds with you know the storytelling yeah you're right but what if her and the people that share her perspective are like okay din has the dark saber and din is aligned with the people who i mean she also this whole time was like where was your cult when we needed your help Mm -hmm. you know where was your cult when mandalore fell like and and there's lines she says to him, you know, in this episode where, she, for instance, she calls the the ritual of him going into the water a heartwarming spectacle. But, you know, yeah. she thinks it's ridiculous. And there, there's another point mm-hmm. where she's like, I, it's 
crazy that you still believe in all this stuff or whatever, you know? So anyway, I guess I'm just saying like, if, if Din and his side of Mandalorian culture and, and ethos or whatever are in control and wanting to, you know, kind of shape the future of the Mandalorians in a way that they don't agree with. I could see tensions rising where it's not like, haha, now I'm the most powerful Mandalorian, but like, whoa, dude, I can't let you do this to, I can't let you and your cult alter what a Mandalorian, like make your brand of Mandalorianism the future of the Mandalorians, you know, or something like that. I could see, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I, I'm just saying I could mm. like that. That feels like a, a, a possible direction it could take, you know, but most of what happens in this episode would lead us to think the opposite. I feel like. Yeah. Because I think it the, all kind of comes down to like how bad does John Favreau want to see a bunch of Mandalorians kicking ass and fighting each other? Yeah. I think well, that's kind of what it comes down to. And I don't know. I do feel like in that sense, it could go either way. Yeah, I think they will. I That's what I was just going to say is I think like what we're heading to is these different sides of like, uh, or these different factions of Mandalorians ultimately putting aside their differences and becoming mm-hmm. one Avengers, you know, super squad of Mandalorians. I think yeah. that's what's going to have but, to happen. And I think like <laughs> to get to the, you know, to get to the Avengers in game, will we need to make a pit stop at Captain America civil war, which is just like, an excuse to have like Spider-Man fight Iron Man and whatever. Mm. Like, do we, do we need to like go through those motions? I don't know. I feel like it should come down to like the way the story's going, the way that feels right to me is it's coming down to like Din making choices and decisions and not like people, you know, conniving and like stabbing him in the back and stuff like i don't know it it feels like he should be like stepping up to maybe not to lead but to like make the choices that affect it and it i don't know i guess we'll see how it plays out but yeah well i mean we're mostly like we're almost 20 minutes in. we've mostly been talking about the end of the episode. So I guess we might as well just yeah. stick with that and then go back to the earlier parts after. Um, cause I think there is a lot to say about the, about the end here. And, you know, one of the things, the, the thing that I found most interesting, most kind of, um, you know, satisfying or whatever about this episode was as Bo and Grogu were on their way to save Din. And then once they're all together, there's multiple moments where Bo-Katan is observing Din's beliefs and Din's rituals and Din's, yeah, just like belief in the the way of the Mandalore or whatever that I think start to reawaken her appreciation for that stuff and Mm -hmm. start to make her be inspired by the mythology again and be inspired by the stories again. You know, um, there's a point where Din says without the creed, what are we, you know? Um, and I don't think that's 
necessarily how she would look at her or what her perspective would be. But there's just all these little moments where I think he's just like a true believer and sticking on his path and just being a true believer. And I think there's just all these little moments as the episode, you know, works towards the conclusion where she is observing all that and being inspired. And it's, um, I think that works well because she, you know, when we first met her, she's just like on the couch, just totally depressed and just, you know, everybody left me. It's over. Like, you know, Mandalore's done. Like we let the empire come in and destroy us and it's just, it's done. And I think by the end of this episode, it seems like, you know, she's buying in mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah. so, you know, that, uh, that would suggest that they can find a way to meld their ideas. They can find a way to move forward as Mandalorians and, you know, maybe they don't have to be like at war with each other necessarily if mm-hmm. they can all kind of be inspired by the past and find a, a new way, you know, kind of forward. Um, yeah. 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 Like I think, I mean, the feeling, you know, of, of where the story has been heading is like, you know, Din being a pivotal figure in finding like a new way to restore um mandalorian culture um and their prominence um that's you know either in just a you know completely different path than what's come from before or like an amalgamation of um these two like diametric opposites um of mandalorian culture with like, you know, the armor side and like Bo-Katan side. Mm-hmm. And like that, yeah. that feels like the the story that's being told here. Except for Din. Yeah, I don't disagree. Except for uh, Din is still, even by the end of this episode, really not looking for a new way. I mean, like him showing compassion to Grogu, him choosing to take his helmet off to save Grogu, all that stuff, like that's a new way, right? Like that is, and that's what I think obviously his cult needs to, <laughs> to realize and see. Um, although even in the first episode, we see that they're like, they're willing to make sacrifices for each other. They want to protect the youth as well. You know, even the armorer who is another character who feels like could end up being, you know, sort of an, an antagonist for Din this season. Even the armorer in that first episode is like very heroic in protecting those, um, those young Mandalorians and, and all of that, you know? So, but anyway, I guess like just him being willing to, you know, break the creed or whatever, when it matters most for Grogu's sake, et cetera, would be a new way. But otherwise he's, I mean, he's walking right into those waters and saying the ritual and doing all that stuff. Like he's not nothing he's doing besides those critical moments where he is a human being and, and does the right thing for Grogu nothing else he's doing is suggesting a new way yet, you know? Um, so what's going to happen with journey? Like, I mean, because he's already like, he's had those moments already and Mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's the point of Grogu. Like it's because of Grogu that, you know, he's strayed from the path. And, you know, done, done the, the right thing, the human thing. And I think that's, you know, that's the story. 
Yeah. But, okay, so let's bring it back to this episode then. What I'm saying is that the end of this episode doesn't do anything, in my opinion, to further explore that idea. And in fact, it does Mm -hmm. the opposite. It does the opposite because he's walking into those living waters. And not only that, but Bo-Katan, the one who's like, you're a cult, dude. You got to get, they got to get rid of these crazy like cult rules that they have. Bo-Katan's like, oh my God, it's a mythosaur. Like, you know, she's inspired by what's happening. So it's like, Mm -hmm. he's bringing, if anything, he's bringing her closer to the way rather than like bringing Bo-Katan closer to the way than he is to finding a new way at this point. And, you know, yeah. So that's doesn't mean that like that's not where the story's going long term, but I'm just saying like right now it's just interesting that you know he's still you know he found the waters he walked into him. Now, we could say he starts doing the ritual and boom, it doesn't even, you know, he can't even finish it, right? And yeah. so that maybe that's that's one um you know piece of evidence that like okay, no he can't just keep you know, following this path, but well, we haven't seen the like the full repercussions of it. Like he does the thing, but like we don't we don't know like what's how he's going how he feels afterwards, like how right. like the armor is going to react, you know, how, you know, the Yeah, I think like yeah, I don't I don't think you can like totally just judge um everything on just like the end of this episode because it is like Mm. a cliffhanger essentially that's true yeah and i don't think it's going to change things for him ultimately like he 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 made his way to the living waters he started doing that ritual Mm -hmm. um he couldn't even finish it and yeah i don't i i don't anticipate that like in the next episode all of a sudden it's going to be like cool man i'm i'm back with the children of the watch and we're all on the same page i'm not saying that but i did think like okay, first off, did you pop for the mythosaur in the, in those living waters? Like seeing that because I did, and I've never yeah. one time thought about getting a mythosaur tattoo. I don't have any Boba Fett t shirts with the mythosaur logo on them. Mm-hmm. In fact, like I've never people love that stuff, and that's totally cool, and I have no issue with it. But like that's just never once ever in my life spoken to me as like a thing that I cared about in Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet I saw that mythosaur down there, and I popped. I was like, yes, this is cool. Like, I thought it was exciting. Um, and I think I know why, but uh, mm-hmm. no pop from you on the Mythosaur? No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Okay. I just, uh, to me, I thought it was powerful because, again, it is, it's reinforcing the, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symbol of the, stories that have been told for eons or whatever. It's, it's a symbol of like the, the, the Mandalorian, you know, the Mandalorians, it's a symbol of, of all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, Bo has been questioning it. I think we as an audience have been questioning it, you know, I'm still questioning like his weird cultish version of it, but like, I just think that's a powerful way to end the episode is, you know, he starts doing his living waters, ritual thing oh he gets pulled down into the it's not going to happen you know and you're like okay well this this ritual stuff is dumb whatever and then on the way out one mandalorian saving another they go right past like the living and they're called the living waters you know and here's this living mythosaur this thing that like oh yeah you know bo bo katan has made the comments in these episodes they're just stories there's no magic there 
no, there is magic there. Like there's a mythosaur, you know? So I just, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think it like works for the story. I don't think it's like, um, like super egregious fan service or anything. Um, and like, it's not the most egregious fan service in this episode. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. But like, I didn't, it didn't, I didn't pop for it, I guess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, and I have a feeling we'll probably see more of the Mythosaur in future episodes. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I'll pop for that, but I think that just the, it felt very meaningful, I guess. And that's what, yeah. that's what I, what, yeah. what, what, you know, elicited an emotional reaction from me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like I said, it's not like, Oh my God, I've been drawing like the Mythosaur logo on my notebooks for 25 years. And now I Carving saw one. It it's, into it's, your desk. Yeah, no, it's not like that. It's more just, yeah. um, wow, what a powerful thing to say that like these stories do matter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, and the myths that have been passed on in this culture, they do, they do have some, some validity, you know? So that's mm-hmm. what it meant for me. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, let's see, is there anything else from that, um, sort of ending section of the episode I wanted to talk about? Uh, well, she's a lot better with the dark saber than Din is, you know? Yeah. And, that that's yeah, potentially okay, significant so is it like is the thing like super heavy or something because i was like kind of baffled by the when he was like swinging it around and it was like using like a sledgehammer or something mm. yeah i would assume it's like drew mcintyre's sword you know what i mean like it's mm. it's pretty it's pretty heavy um, what is it called? Angela? I believe it's called Angela, named after his mother, Drew McIntyre's sword. You might not remember, but anyway, um, it's very heavy. You know what I mean? That thing's very heavy. And uh I think a lot of times in these uh, fantasy stories with these these swords, yeah, they're they're pretty heavy, right? Now, granted, I guess we we're we've never really been given the impression that lightsabers are super heavy to swing around or anything like that. But that's what I thought. I dark saber's got some more metal lightsaber. on it though. Okay. Yeah, but doesn't it uh, well, I guess so. I guess you're right. It's like, I, cause it's just a blade when it pops out, right? Cause it goes back yeah. into the hilt. But, but like, um, what's his face? Um, Moff Gideon. Yeah. Like he just like holds it with one hand and like slices him his way out of the ship and stuff at okay. the end of the first season. Yeah. So yeah. like that was just weird. And like Din is like using, it's like a golf club or something like it's well, yeah i don't know yeah but what's the what's the it's probably less to do with the logistics of it and more to do with what you know his clumsiness with it has to how that helps tell the story of of him as the guy holding the darksaber you know yeah and i, I think know, like, like maybe din's works. not supposed to be the one yeah i think that works except in the context of like you know you have like moff gideon like handling it just fine and um mm. in rebels hand handling it just fine well she needed some training you know she needed some, she training, needed some but training she was like also a kid <laughs> like so yeah, yeah. uh, uh I don't know. that, that well, was I like mean, weird yeah i guess so i didn't does all right with it you know but then like mm-hmm. it's just that you see because it's all about the pairing of those two scenes right you see yeah din battle those cave monster guys and then you see a few minutes later you see Bo-Katan do the same thing and she's just like way more impressive with it you know yeah um and uh 
you know, Din obviously even tried to give it to her and she's like, well, I haven't earned it in combat, you know, like I don't deserve it. I can't take it. But, um, watching her swing that thing around and be very proficient with it, I think just, you know, encourages the audience to consider like maybe she should be the one who is in control of that dark saber, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was also one more line that I wrote down from that scene that I think was, um, pretty great. And I wanted to point out, which is, um, ah, Bo-Katan is telling Din about her father and the fact that he died defending Mandalore. And uh, Din's response to her was, this is the way, you know? And she kind of, I forget exactly what her kind of reaction, her expression was in reaction to that. But it definitely caused her to think, you know? And um, I just felt like it was his way of saying, like, so you follow a creed too, you know? Like, we all follow a creed. Like, we all have, we all are willing to, you know, sacrifice or lay down our lives or do whatever we have to do for this thing that we believe in. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course this is in the last 15 minutes of the episode in which she is, I think frequently confronted with images or um, moments that, you know, kind of encourage her to consider like, what do I believe in? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and that kind of thing. So I thought that was a well crafted moment in that, in that uh, scene with, with Bo and then. Um, yeah. All right. So that's all I have. I think on that final scene, you have anything else there or you want to go back, circle back to the beginning into the Boonta Eve, Ryan? Yeah. Um, no, I think it was just, um, just like a really strong, um, you know, the last, last 15 minutes of the episode were just really, really strong. Um, Hmm. and it was a good, it was a, it was like an authentically good, um, cliffhanger. Um, that, uh, I don't know. It makes me excited for next week. Yeah, I'm excited too. I wonder though, you know, it's a cliffhanger, but it's, um, it's not a, not a super, it's more of like a cerebral cliffhanger. I feel like, because it's like, what, how are these two people going to react to what just happened? But I'm not like, it's not like I'm expecting like whatever monster pulled him down to like pop out of the water and then attack them again or something, you know, it's just more like, man, what are they going to do with this experience? How are they going to react to this experience they just had? Yeah. And and that's why I think it's good. (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Right. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that compels me more than like the monster part of it. Yeah. Well, and to the episode's credit, like they didn't even show much of the monster. It was just, it was, it was simply about like the thing that's the thing that we're doing here is saying the mythosaur is there we're not showing the mythosaur like, you know, being super powerful. We're not showing yeah. the mythosaur being a threat. We're not like, we're not doing anything like that. We're not giving it some kind of like, yeah, it's, it was very uh, restrained in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was a, a tasteful way of doing mm-hmm. it. And I think it, uh, demonstrates that, you know, in those final moments, they were emphasizing the right things and focused on the right thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Really yep. good. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's circle back to Boonta Eve. On the Eve. other hand. <laughs> let's talk to Boonta Eve. Let's talk about the beginning of the episode. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to say, I think the fact that like we've heard about Boonta Eve and then like, you know, we saw a little Boonta Eve celebration on Tatooine. I like that. I can imagine you may think, no. So, so lame. Why is it lame? 
like who gives a shit like i do i give cares? a shit i was i was I, me 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 okay i do did you ever like is this something you ever thought about before or was it like oh they said the thing i know that thing like it's a thing i thought about before it's not a thing where i was like okay. desperate oh my god when am i gonna see the boon to eve like mm-hmm. i need to see that but i was like yeah, you know, it's the Boon to Eve classic. Like, what is Boon to Eve, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought that was fun. I thought that was, I, I enjoyed that. And it's not like it made a super big deal out of it necessarily. You know, there's a few references to it and some great fireworks for for um, little Grogu to look at. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're on Tatooine. We know Tatooine celebrates a thing called Boon to Eve. Like, yeah, let's see it. Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, hard eye roll from me on all that yeah i mean i gave a hard eye roll to let's just while we're talking about hard eye rolls i did a well i didn't do a hard eye roll but i did a uh i certainly did do a an eye roll figuratively speaking to the r5 stuff oh you know that that i feel like is kind of obnoxious the boon to eve i thought was fun (laughs) but the the r5 stuff i think is kind of Mm. that doesn't do anything for me like oh that's the droid that was in the other thing like i don't care about that Mm. you know (laughs) dislike yeah yeah strong strong dislike i think um yeah i don't know i think that whole i i thought the whole opening scene was like obnoxious um mm. i think um i think pelly has overstayed her welcome um i i like i like amy sedaris i like that character like the the first time the one time i was like this is cool perfect i like yeah it was just it was such like a grading beginning and they're like just dropping names and like there's this like awkward humor that um doesn't quite work and like oh people get drunk on this day like haha like all this stuff just like felt so like weird and off and then the the R5 droid just like being this super redundant plot point like oh 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 yeah din's going to be mean to this droid because he doesn't like droids except the one droid um and then and then it being like the whole purpose of the R5 was to like check the air quality and it's like you could have just had like some like weird like star wars ass like kitchen tool with some wires coming out of it that he could have like used like it didn't need to have this like whole preamble to this like ridiculous scene well yeah i i feel similarly about the pelly stuff but not i'm not um i don't think she's unnecessary to this episode or like i don't think like she i just think the scene itself overstayed its welcome you know, more so than the character like, oh, God, I don't want to see Pelly anymore. Like, I'm fine with Pelly, but I think the scene was just a little too long or the mm-hmm. number of jokes they put in there was just a few too many. Because um, I I enjoy her interaction with the Jawas. I thought that was funny. And I, I, I thought the idea that like, you know, kind of <laughs> you realize like, oh, OK, she's she's stripping ships and then, you know, 
charging people to put them back together like i thought that was kind of funny and um hey we know the jawas are not above that because they did the same thing with obi-wan right um Mm -hmm. in in kenobi so uh i i didn't mind all that but like i think it's to me it's like a saturday night live skit you know sketch comedy or whatever in general i suppose i a lot of times when i watch a a skit or sketch comedy i'm uh, i'm totally on board i think it's hilarious i'm cracking up and then it goes like a minute or two longer than i think it mm-hmm. should and it stops being funny and i'm like if you had only ended it when you were if you had ended on a high note instead of like you know going too long then mm-hmm. i think we would have had something but so to me it was more of that kind of situation where i i did it i found it entertaining and funny overall but i think it it, it, it needed a little more restraint, restraint there i think they should have uh, made that scene a little shorter, you know, um, few, few less little jokes from Pelly and just bring that back 20%. And I think it would have been good. But, Maybe. You know. Yeah. It's just in like, again, like I don't want to, you know, um, do the, well, it didn't, it didn't really serve the story. So it was pointless or whatever. Like it, you know, if, it, if it had been like funny, I think it would have like it would have had a point like in the show, Mm. but I just, I didn't think a single one of the jokes were funny. Um, Mm. I just like, was like, what is happening? When is this going to be over? And then like, then when we got to like the actual planet and I was like, and then like the R5 did the thing and you're like, that's what we wasted the first 15 minutes of the episode for. Like that's, why we needed to do all that like stop wasting well, my time okay so i hear you there but i i didn't personally get the impression that they were trying to really continue the whole din hates droids gimmick or whatever you uh, know um too much so that didn't bother me the fact that it was r5 kind of bothered me but I do think he was necessary or useful in terms of the storytelling because um, for a couple of reasons, like number one, you send like Din sends that droid off to do the the scan or whatever, which I agree. Like why he didn't go in the cave to scan? He's why couldn't he scan the air right there in the ship? Right. But he sends him off to do that. Um, and then, you know, finds himself in a situation where the droid's not coming back. So then he's got to go, but he tells Grogu, like you stay in the ship, I'll go without you, you know? Um, and then the sort of that, so we see, you know, kind of Grogu on his own and Din doing his thing. And then, um, long story short, eventually when Grogu has to go without Din back to the ship, it's a lot more plausible. I think at that point that Grogu pops in the ship and R five can navigate to and fly the ship and navigate to Bo-Katan's planet because otherwise we'd have to believe that like Grogu is flying that ship and using the navigation stuff and all that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I suppose if they had tried to set it up that way, that could have been believable. But I I just think like that was the point of, that was maybe the bigger point of having R5 there is because then Grogu can go on his own to, to Bo-Katan and bring Bo-Katan back. But I thought the, I I actually got the impression that it I didn't even think about that. I got the impression that it was Grogu navigating back because there were all those scenes at the beginning where like Din was showing him how to like do all that stuff. So there's there's a line 
Um, I don't have the line written down or know exactly what it is, but there's a line where Pally tells Din. Plus, you know, like I'll give you the droid for like half off. Plus, he can do the navigation so you don't have to fly manually the whole time, like or whatever. And then okay. when when Din is showing Grogu that stuff, like you're right, like he he does show Gro- Grogu all that stuff. But he's basically just telling him like this is how you read a map or whatever. And then when Grogu, there's a, there's already a meme of it or like a little I've seen a screenshot popping around. When Grogu gets back in the ship, he's looking up at R5 and pointing on the map like this is where we need to go. So it's like okay. Din taught Grogu how to read a map and then Grogu is able to read the map and tell R5, this is where we have to go to get help. Okay. So, well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I only watched the episode once, so um, I guess I missed that. But I will say I would have been totally fine with <laughs> Grogu just like flying that ship. I That would not have like caused me any, you know, suspension of disbelief or anything like you know, if we could have cut that R5 scene and just had Grogu yeah. flying it, I totally would be fine with that. I think to me, I think to me, it's less of a suspension of disbelief issue and more of an issue of like, it, it's, it, it's a bigger deal for Grogu to run back to the ship by himself, hop in it and fly mm-hmm. to Bo-Katan and back when that's not something that's like easy for him to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, it's a kind of like a, it's like a little kid, you know, it's like that show. Uh, what's that show on Netflix? Um, I watched a few episodes with my kids. We love it. Um, although we haven't watched them all. It's like grown enough, big enough, grown enough. The show it's set in Japan and it's like a reality TV show where like they have like a little child, like they'll be like, okay, here's a little bit of money. Now go to the market and buy the stuff we need to make like miso, miso soup or whatever. And the camera crew like follows the little kid going and do you know the show I'm talking yeah. about? No, I, I don't. But I do oh. know that, like, you know, Japanese children can be very independent. Like, they start walking well, to school and, you know, like, elementary school, like, by themselves and stuff. But it's also fake as hell, like, all reality TV shows. So, like, yeah. as you're watching it and this kid is, like, they come to, like, this crazy busy intersection. I don't Anyway, whatever. It's It's yeah. a fun show. But the point is, like, the fact that they are, I don't want to say helpless, but the fact that they are, like, these tiny little people who are going out into a big world and doing something by themselves that seems kind of scary and kind of dangerous. Like mm-hmm. R5 having to fly the ship makes it feel more like that for Grogu to me than if he just like got in and started boop, 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 like doing all the stuff and like, let's go. Like, I, I think like mm-hmm. he needs to be taken to Bo-Katan by this droid. Like he couldn't do it himself, you know? So I, I like that. Not from a, you couldn't, you couldn't make me believe that Grogu could fly a ship, but mm-hmm. more from a, I think it, it makes it seem like more of a big deal that he got, he goes and does that. You know, I I mean, I think he could have just touched the the Bo Katan button, and <laughs> like, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably a joke there to make, but I'm not gonna make it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, um. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. It it wasn't like you know, but again, this wasn't like a deal breaker. Like I still like again the I thought. You know, it didn't ruin the episode for me, but it was also yeah. just like, is this necessary? <laughs> Something you could do without. Yeah. 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 I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to discuss with this episode. I love the design of the cave monsters and I, mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about it. I love the design of the giant enemy crab robot thing. Yep. Um, too. Yeah. He's got a, a weak spot that you need to attack for massive damage. <laughs> he does. He does. And um, 
I thought it was really inventive, um, weird. Like I had like three stages to it. You know, it's this big robot. (laughs) And then all of a sudden he's like this weird, like exoskeleton thing. And then finally Mm -hmm. it's like a little brain with legs that pops out, you know, at the end, like it was, it was really cool. Again, completely supporting my theory that Mandalorian is a video game. (laughs) Well, see what I thought, what I took away from it is like, I really felt the design uh, creature design and and just like the the design of the gadgetry and stuff in this episode was very like 60s sci-fi you know mm. it reminded and we've seen this with mandalorian and book of boba fett um in other places too but it had a very like um harry Housen 60s like mm-hmm. you know fantasy sci-fi kind of vibe to it like and i, I think intentionally so and yeah. uh i found that pretty um, pretty cool. I, I really like that. I thought it was uh, well executed. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a a cross between that stuff and a like a cross between that and uh, like a boss in a Horizon game at the same okay. time. So yeah, um, I did. I I like really. But is that a situation where both like Horizon and the Mandalorian are both yeah, like I drawing from the same source material more so than yeah. like a yeah? Because I mean that game's like robot dinosaurs and you know robot whatever else is um yeah and uh and i mean i think all that stuff's cool um i thought i yeah i thought this was ridiculously cool there were so many opportunities for it to look really bad mm. and it like consistently looked good throughout and i was like you know they they could have like played it a lot more restrained and, um, and they like, Nope, they're like, we're going bigger. We're going bigger. And like, we're just going to keep doing this and like keeping it on the screen, like, you know, full on like full camera shots of like this thing centered in the screen. Like there's no, uh, no smoke, no trickery, anything here. Like, we're just showing you this thing for like an extended period of time. And it's going to keep having these different forms and stuff. And like it, it never looked bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was interesting for me. I'm not going to give any like spoilers or anything for, for those who aren't, haven't watched or aren't watching yet or whatever. But, uh, we saw Din, uh, we saw Pedro Pascal in a really rough situation in this episode. Uh, that dude, um, hooked some like tubes up to him and was like draining his life juices or something. I'm not sure like what was going on there, but it seemed like it was going to be really bad. And uh, it's been funny to be watching the Mandalorian these last two weeks and also watching the last of us. And seeing... this. Yep. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying like, I've, I've seen yep. Pedro Pascal really taking some <laughs> being in some rough situations um, in, in, in two wildly different shows, you know, mm-hmm. um, two wildly different shows that at their core are still are Pedro Pascal, similar. Pedro Pascal <laughs> trying to protect. Child. Uh, yeah an important child right and both with heavy video game elements to them so uh yeah Um, yeah uh yeah i have it um i put it in my notes um that's you know that's another good parallel between the two um i i was thinking um in terms of again like just in the vegas most vague terms like without spoiling um last of us um I was getting Last of Us vibes when 
Din was teaching Grogu the things. Oh yeah, sure. Um, because that's you know that is something that happens in Last of Us, where you know you're you're teaching. You know, you have experience surviving in this world, this galaxy, and you're teaching, you know, the younger generation, like, the things they need to do so that they can, you know, survive and. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's very funny that, like, both of these shows are happening simultaneously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I believe Last of Us ends tomorrow, right? The final episode is tomorrow does. night. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just in time for Ted Lasso to come back next week. Mm, so that'll be cool. Just in time for Yellow Jackets to come the twenty fourth. Oh, is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's uh, mostly what I have on on this episode. Did you have anything else on this one, Ryan? Um. Yeah. I think. Like, generally, again, I thought the episode looked um, phenomenal. Um, But I do still think um, Grogu flipping around and doing big jumps still Hmm. looks kind of goofy. Like, Mm -hmm. it still has those, like, Yoda in Attack of the Clones uh, vibes to it. And I don't I don't know. Like, you know, it's been 20 years and no one has really figured out how to make a little green man doing flips look good. Um, so I don't know. My my thoughts would be like, maybe maybe chill on the little green man flips. Like, don't he doesn't have to flip to get out of the ship. Like there's a there's another example of why the Pelimoto scene was completely required and necessary for mm. this episode because okay. we saw Grogu okay. do his little green man flip out of the ship into her arms, mm-hmm. which then when looked we saw bad. him do it later, we were like, oh yeah, we know he can do that. He he did that with Pelly, mm-hmm. and it looked bad both times. <laughs> but oh, I'm just maybe. saying, <laughs> <laughs> maybe just don't do that. Okay. Um, uh, I liked it. It, it, it to me, it, it seemed like a doll being thrown from one place to another, you know. And I, I kind of like I that. Mean, <laughs> in an episode with some big stop motion Harry Harry uh, Housen yeah. like sixty sci fi vibes, like it fit right in. Yeah, except that stuff just looked better. <laughs> I don't know. It's All, really also, it was really jarring for me. I actually there was one shot of the Jawas walking towards Pelimoto where I was like, I swear to God, they tried to make this look stop motion. Like, there's no way it's stop motion Jawas. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I swear to God, they tr- they intentionally tried to make it look stop motion or something. They probably didn't. Mm. And it, but it because it, it's just like people in robes walking, right? Or kids in robes or something. I don't know. And uh, it looked really strange. But uh, but I, I liked it. You know, it's strange in a in a, mm. in a in a in a funny way. I thought a fun way. Mm. But uh, but anyway, um. Yeah, uh, I had something else on that, but oh, I'm 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 uh, I'm surprised to hear you uh, breaking character there, Ryan, and critiquing Attack of the Clones and the way Yoda looks jumping around in it. Because normally you stay in your uh, Attack of the Clones is the only Star Wars movie that matters. It's the best Star uh-huh. Wars thing ever. All critiques of Attack Agreed. of the Clones are invalid. Like you normally stay within that character. Um, so I'm I'm just surprised to hear you uh, drop the mask for a moment there. Um, you know, I think that there's no perfect film and mm. 
that is a universal truth and unfortunately that includes attack of the clones okay it is i think about as close to perfection as you can get with the (laughs) film but Uh i i will say you know the the yoda fight didn't look great i think it had the unintended consequence of getting more laughs in the theater opening night than um genuine excitement and i don't think it's i i don't think time has done it any favors and i think it there's just you know i i also don't think it's fair to you know attack of the clones because they um you know george lucas like created the green man little green man flipping and like you know it was that was the start of it and you know of course you're not going to get everything right when you're like an innovator like that um on the first try um but Mm. it it does i think you know it's it's like escort missions and video games like no one likes them they like never work and then you know you see you know we we figured that out 20 plus years ago and then like you know you see people like putting them in games now and you're like why like this is still bad like why are Mm. why and you know i think that's that's kind of the perspective i'm coming at it with Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, one last thing I do want to say about this episode. Again, it is a an excellent episode. Um, I do think the pacing felt a little rushed at um, certain points, um, which again, that like kind of ties back to like, why did we have to have that like 15 minute like um, scene on tattooing at the beginning? Um, because I think there's so many like fantastic scenes in this episode that like just given, you know, you talk about like that's, you know, the opening scene going too long, but like, man, just imagine if like some of these other scenes had like another minute or two just to breathe. Like once they were like in Mandalore, like there's so much to like look at and there's so much going on there and there's like this tension between the characters and like i really wish they would have like sat in that a little bit more and like s- slowed it down a bit cuz i think it could have been even more impactful mm. and then i think like the other i think grogu's return trip like yes there was like a sense of urgency about it And so I get, like, why it, like, moved at a really fast clip. Um, But I think you also, you could have, like, you know, it it, that could have been slowed down a little bit, too, to, like, really, you know, have, like, the sense of danger um, with him being, like, on his own. Like, I never felt, like, worried or scared for him like because even like the one major conflict he had on the way back i was like oh it's the thing from the trailer he's gonna yeah throw the dude um yeah so um yeah and that's then, all i like, could think even when i first saw those cave monsters i was like yep those are the cave monsters that we or the cave monster guy we saw grow yeah. grow you know so yeah um they were again, they were never very threatening in that regard you know no no um and then like then when grogu gets back like bo-katan like you know, walks out and it, like thinking it's Din and is like, let's get rid of him once and for all. And then like five seconds later, she's like on the ship, like flying to save him. <laughs> like, yeah. That like, that just also felt a little, um, 
a little too expedited. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think it's, um, you know, it was very like, I guess it was very like Star Wars pacing, um, in a way. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think they could have slowed things down a little bit for more impact. Yeah. Um, I guess two comments on that one, the, the line from Bo-Katan I interpreted to be sort of like, I am hopeless and this guy keeps coming here trying to like pull me out of this funk and I don't want to be pulled out of the funk. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how I interpreted the, like, let's get rid of him once and for all. Um, not like, uh, I'm a threat to him or I want to like do harm to him or anything, you know? So in that regard, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, but, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like, uh, I I hear what you're saying about the pace. I wonder though, if some of the things you're, you're hoping we could have seen in this episode, if they had slowed down, will be part of the next episode, you know, because like Din and, 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 uh, Bo-Katan are still there on Mandalore and Mm -hmm. potentially, It'll be like these two characters walking around Mandalore, looking at stuff, talking about their feelings about Mandalore, you know, whatever that we could get some of that in the next episode. I don't know, but you know, potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Cool. We'll see. All right. Uh, Ryan, we just hit the one hour mark, which is the, um, the, the deadline I think we needed to hit. Uh, so we'll be slightly over it as we wrap up here. Uh, I do want to say that, this week, there was a killer episode of The Bad Batch as well, which a lot of people um, are talking about and excited about. Um, it was a great, great episode. We haven't been um, talking about individual episodes of Bad Batch on this show too much. Although, um, you know, after watching this week's episode and sort of anticipating what's going to happen in the final few episodes of the season, I think at some point... Um, we should return to that and discuss the bad batch a little more, um, you know, not as individual mm-hmm. episodes necessarily, but I think the, the level of intrigue and the level of, um, you know, ideas that are being tackled in the bad batch this season, uh, we, we, we should definitely, you know, revisit, um, the batch here, um, at some point in, in some form or another and talk more about it. Cause this episode was really great. And I think, it um, is suggesting that things are going to be pretty exciting and impactful for the larger Star Wars universe here um, as the season wraps up. So I think there's three more weeks of Bad Batch episodes, two more individual episodes, and then the the double episode season finale um, in in a few weeks. So we, uh, I guess I'm just telling listeners, I want to cover some Bad Batch a little more. And if you're like, hey, there was a huge episode this week and you guys didn't even talk about it. Um, I, I do want to talk more about batch soon ish. Okay. So you're also telling me that I should watch this episode. I think you should watch this episode. Yes. Yes, okay. I do. Yeah. Okay. It's a good one. Yep. Cool. Yep. So I will. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, from there, we better wrap this thing up, Ryan. So, uh, we will be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. Until then, you can find all of the previous shows that we've done at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, I just posted a video clip from our most recent episode about Mandalorian Season 3, so uh, that's on blockaderunnerpodcast.com as well or on our YouTube page. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. And Ryan, you are on Twitter at? 
Uh, Vaya Malay, V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y, and Standard Definition Gaming, Def Stand 480. Yeah, and um, you can also, of course, email the show, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can join our Discord that uh, mm. we've had up and running the last few weeks. Small little group in there right now, but we're having conversations about Star Wars every day, and um, it's been a really, really fun thing for me um to have that place to go to talk to people about star wars in addition to you know our friends on twitter and stuff like that and uh some of our favorite twitter friends and and uh star wars friends have have made the jump over to discord and so uh kind of nice to catch up with people there so anyways there will be a link in the show notes for our discord if anybody's interested in joining that so um yeah well until next time thanks very much for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode of the blockade runner podcast